Welcome back to From the Backseat Football Podcast. We are back with another episode to run through the weekend games. And it's a very exciting day today because Jack's not here. Only joking. That's not true. Jack, if you're listening, I love you really. But it is very exciting. We have a new member of the FTBS team. His name is Dan. Dan, how are you today? It's great for you to be here. I'm good. Thank you, here. Appreciate the welcome. No worries at all. And of course, we have longtime friend Ashley Jones. Welcome Yo. back, Ash. What's up, dude? Thanks for having me. No worries. It's good to have you boys with us. So it's been a bit of a weird week, right? I don't really know what's going on with the scheduling, but there's actually not that many games. So it yeah. should be quite a punchy episode. So we're going to jump straight in, basically, to my favourite subject, which is Arsenal. 5-0 against a very bad Crystal Palace. Um, Dan, let's start with you, mate. Did you watch the game? I did. I'm glad you caveated with uh, a bad Palace team because... Uh... <laughs> You've, you've played them at an incredibly uh, incredibly opportune time, right? They are struggling to score, like struggling just generally. And yeah, but really impressive result. I think it firmly gets you guys back in like the title race. But, uh, but yeah, the struggling Palace team. Yeah, we really needed that. And I can, can I just say, it's so nice to see a score from open play again. We've become a bit of a, <laughs> we've become a, bit of a Stoke City under Tony Pulis. Just a bit sexier, do you know what I mean? It's just... I mean, Arteta did, tra- you know, build his tra- trade at Everton. Very similar style of play back then, right? So, yeah, I just the contrast between last season when we were like free flowing and scoring loads of goals, and then like we can only score from corners now. It's just really annoying. <laughs> very, very satisfying to score from a corner, though. I, I must admit that. Like, it's we, true. I feel like I feel like there's not that many goals from corners. You can I don't know yeah. any stats to back that up. But... And I feel like you take those chances, you know, it's a free goal, right? If you're constantly scoring from, from set pieces, you know, it's, you're just a threat all the time. There are certain teams that they'll get a corner, but they're not going to do anything or a free kick. And you know, it's going to be skied over. But with you, that sort of that potency and, you know, Gabriel does have the biggest head in the world. So it makes it a lot easier. He does. For me, I think this season he might, have out, he might be outshining Saliba which last season was unthinkable. But he goes about his business, doesn't he, Gabriel? Yeah, but I, I think that it's one of those, so like Saliba, similar to Van Dijk, he makes players around him significantly better. That's true. That's and true. like Joel Matip last season was our best <laughs> defender. On, at least he looked like it, right? But it was because Van Dijk was being Van Dijk, right? Same with this season, Konate, Matip at the start of the season, they all look class. What's the common denominator there? Van Dijk's next to them, right? They mess up Van Dyke's there. I think it's the same with with Saliba and Gabriel. Gabriel can be a little bit more aggressive, can dive into things because Saliba's always going to be there. It's a very good point. I think Saliba is almost like a bit like like Van Dyke, like you say, is it's almost like knowing that he's there and he's got the recovery pace means that you can play a bit more yeah. out of your comfort zone, right? And be a bit more yeah. aggressive. So that's a good point. Yeah. And then you've got Bryce obviously to fill in there as well when you need it. Oh, mate, Declan Rice, I can't believe he signed for Arsenal. <laughs> I can't believe it. <laughs> and you're still not going to win the league. I know. And he's done his hammy as well, it looks like. So that's not a really big concern, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, who have you got to fill in for him? That's the... That's the oh, it's Party, right? Yeah, I, I, I don't know where Party's On any, maybe? Oh, don't say that, mate. Well, You've got Jorginho. You'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> I wish we could play Crystal Palace at home every week. Let's talk yeah. about Palace. Is it time up for Roy? What do you think, Dan? Mate, I've got to... Yeah, I, well, I, I think they stick with him for the end of the season. I think they had to do something in, in the summer. That was that was the decision. Like, he's 75, bless him. Like, he had to... Yeah. 
I think he had to miss a game or a couple of games because of health last season. So probably like the Palace owners, just on reflection, just saw the teams coming up being promoted and thought, we'll stick with Roy. They obviously didn't have like a big plan in the summer, but I think they've got a stick, yeah. Yeah, I mean, don't you think, though, that the Palace team should be doing better, right? You look at their team. Mm. Palace are one of those teams where they've always got like those enigma-like players. They used to have Zaha and Balassi, and now they've got Eze and Elise. And it's kind of like they've got these talents who could be world beaters, but are in the Palace team with the likes of you know James Tompkins and Nathaniel Klein at the back. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Shot like, I'm going to stick up for them here, though, Palace. I think I, I saw a stat that Elise and, uh, and Eze, both fallers, have not really played together many times this season. Yeah. Both been injured. They've lost Zaha as well. He won them or like, got them so many like points last season. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, going back to the, to the Roy Hodgson point, you know, it just builds stability. Crystal Palace don't have the money to be constantly pushing for the top. They also can't risk being relegated, right? And Roy Hodgson is just a safe bet. I mean, what's the alternative? Neil Warnock, right? <laughs> I'll bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that, you know, fair play to Roy Hodgson. I think he kind of works wonders with a team that they're not free-flowing. They don't score loads of goals, but they grind out results when they need them. Yeah, yeah comfortably mid-table. Yeah. I just think, in my head... And I have a theory on Roy Hodgson, and I'll run it by you too. You know he retired, right, before he took the Palace job. I think after a career non-stop in football, he's gone home to the wife. Poor Sandra. Six months yeah. of that, he's thought, fucking hell, lads. Yeah, oh, I need to get back out on the training yeah. pitch. Oh, can he deal with this? Yeah, I one million percent agree. He's gone home and he's thought, now, fuck this. It's, it's, a life of, it's a life of beer or, or it's back into football, right? So he's, yeah, he's, he's gone back in. Yeah, I agree. You just look at Fergie and you look at Redknapp. They're just constantly doing like punditry or like watching games. I feel like they don't spend much time at, at home with the wife. Um, yeah. With Palace as well, they, they obviously tried with Vieira. And they got massively burned by with Frank Frank de Burr. Was it Frank de Burr before? Yeah. yeah. So Worst there's definitely some re- there's some reticence, isn't there, to like make a change? But yeah, next next, so, I think in the summer they're going to have to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Roy Hodgson can't go on forever, right? It's you know what happened with Gerard Houllier. You know, he went on too long and then unfortunately ended up passing mm. away from from heart related issues, probably caused from years of stress, right? Um, you never want to see that happen, right? So I think that it's, it's probably is Roy's time, but I mean, fair play to him at 75. I expect to be on a beach in Thailand somewhere, <laughs> you know, drinking cocktails every day, doing absolutely sod all. So um, yeah, we'll still be working at 75. So yeah, <laughs> the way that the cost of living is at the moment, I think we'll be working till we're dead, mate. You know what? I'll, I just hope to make it to 75. And then once I get there, you know, we can worry about we'll, that. We'll see what happens. Yeah. But not to dance on Roy's grave. But it was interesting because Graham Potter was in the crowd with his mm-hmm. sons. What do we think about that? That makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, it's a great project, right? I think, you know, we've seen Graham Potter minus Chelsea is a, is a great project, you know, manager. And I, I think that he, if anyone can get more out of these, this group of players, he's definitely one of those people. Yeah, I think so. Okay, before um... we move on. Oh, sorry, Dan. No, I was just going to say, big pot, big Grand Potter fan. He's from from Solihull, where I'm from. I think uh, <laughs> it might. This sounds like silly to anyone outside of like Palace or Brighton, but the rivalry there, I think That's that might be a re- 
might that genuinely point. might be a reason the pot, yeah. the pot won't go there or it will get vetoed I, I can't explain why they're rivals it was some some kind of cup game or something in like the the 80s but uh they they really do not like each other <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's a very, very fair point. It's a spiteful rivalry. That would be so funny <laughs> if he went to Crystal Palace, actually. I hadn't even considered that part. Well, I hope, I hope to see Potter back, because he actually had a really good stint at Brighton. And I think, obviously, hindsight twenty twenty, but he should never have left. Okay, question left. on Palace, right? A lot of good young players. I reckon Aliso would be perfect to replace Salah, who, no offence, actually, is leaving in the summer. I hate to say it, he is. Okay, but if you could cherry-pick one of Palace's players to put into your respective teams... Dan obviously supports Aston Villa. I should have qualified that. Who would you take? Eze and Harvey. Eze over Elise. See, I'm an Elise guy. I just think Elise's just got that swagger on the right wing. Uh, see, I would tend to agree with Elise or Gehi. Um, mm. Elise, Elise, to step into Salah's boots is a big, big task. And I don't think he, he's a, he could get there. But I don't think he's that calibre to replace Salah straight away. Like replacing Salah is going to be a massive thing for us, and you can't just get someone who's nearly there. We kind of need to go out and be like, I don't know, we're going to get Ossiemen and shift Darwin to the wing or whatever it might. Do you know what I mean? It's got to be yeah. like, not that it will ever happen because let's be honest, FSG will throw two pound fifty at them. I was like, about the to best. say with FSG, <laughs> man, it's not happening, is it? <laughs> but yeah, I, for me, actually, I, I like Mark Gahey uh, and Eze. I think they'd be great fits to the team. So would Elise, but not as a start. Take all three, mm. man. Take all three. Yeah. yeah. At least with uh, at least with Elise and like Salah, they're both incredibly left-footed. So there's similarities. So it, there. it feels like a natural kind of successor, right? Because it does similar players. Well, actually, they're not similar players at all. But same time, I like um, Kudus at West Ham, but that's a conversation for another day, right? <sighs> yeah, doing bits in the Afcon, wasn't he? Mm. Keep well, an eye on you, Ashley. Inside well, agent. <laughs> There we go. There we go. My family are from East London, so you know I'm just just that just that uh, the Olympic Stadium all the time. Being like, come on, mate, Liverpool. <laughs> you know what you want to do. Fair enough. Well, we're going to move over to West London. Brentford three, Forest two. Big game, controversial game. I want to start with the VAR and the magic spray. <laughs> Forrest have put a complaint to the PGMOL <laughs> I blame Arteta for all this nonsense alright everyone's going to complain to them now okay we all know the incident but I'll just reiterate it for anyone who doesn't know free kick Tony 19 minutes he moves the ball a bit above the spray what do we think boys should it be disallowed it's one of those ones it's the dark arts right the referee hasn't seen it every player does. David Luiz did it a few years ago for you taking a free kick do you know what I mean like it it happens. I think it's just the limelight is on Tony because they brought him back like he's the Undertaker because he cheated. <laughs> like it's a bit weird. Um, and you know, Jamie Carragher saying, "Oh, he was always going to get man of the match." Today was about him. Like I, I don't know. With VAR there, with VAR there, should they have overturned it? Yeah. Is it in the letter of the law for them to overturn something like that? Probably not. So it's in those grey areas, right? Hmm. What do you think, Dan? Yeah, I'm, I'm with Ash. Like, it's not... I don't think it's in the rule book about moving the phone. And there's, like, leeway with how you can move the ball. I, it's on Nottingham Forest. I'm embarrassed, like, for the players and, like, embarrassed for the, <laughs> the, embarrassed for the fans for, like, their team writing a letter. It's... Just let it go, like... Yeah. But this is where yeah. I think VAR has brought everything into disrepute, disrepute mm-hmm. right? 
Like mm. every small decision, every small kind of inconvenience to your team is now like, well, that should be that should be found out by VAR. You know, so I guess my next question is, objectively, has VAR improved football or has it actually made it even worse? Because the idea, right, is that we're eliminating these mistakes. But now I kind of miss the days when it was a referee's call, right or wrong, might go for you, might not, leaves a little bit of, you know, chance, right? So I think that in circumstances where it works, obviously great, especially when it comes to things like red cards, when someone's been given a straight red and it's never a red, great. Offsides, it should be automated. Like we have the technology there. There's no need for VAR, right? We automate it. But I think that the big problem with VAR is the FA, the PGMO, uh, MOL haven't, haven't upskilled the referees. So they don't know how to handle the, the, the stress of using VAR. And so they just panic. And it's clear to see that they panic every time. But I think it shouldn't have been implemented without proper training. Now, they may turn around, respond to the pod going, we spent millions of quid on... They probably, don't. <laughs> they probably didn't, right? But I just, I don't know. I think in theory, it works, but it's the people behind it. That's yeah, because there's still that human element that makes the mm-hmm. mistake, right? And we've seen so many fuck-ups already. It it's... does just prove like how difficult the job of a referee is, though. Like, yeah, of if, course. If you're under the microscope like that, that is fu- that's fucking tough. Like... It also undermines the referee, doesn't it? Right? Yeah. Because if they make a decision and it gets overturned, the next time they're going to be too scared to make a decision, they'll wait for the VAR, even if it's a subconscious thing. So, yeah. yeah. But that's not even the biggest controversy, right? Neil Malpay hits the winner, absolutely fuming in the forest bench. God, it was up in arms, wasn't it? Hit uh, his hand, didn't hit his hand. What do we reckon, lads? Dan, what do you reckon? I didn't see it hit his hand. No, definitely. I think you can't take it. You No, it didn't hit his hand. It didn't. You can't take a goal away from Mope as well. The little... Nah, the I fucking hate Mope. Nah, 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 nah. Mope derailed our season. Yeah, I still hate him, mate. Uh, nah, 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 nah. Well, he passed away. He passed away for Emmy Martinez, didn't he? Do you remember the, the butterfly effect with uh, <laughs> That is so with true. Ben Leno, so... In a dark way, I like him, but he's his shithousery is like is another level. Um, but yeah, I think yeah, it didn't it didn't hit his hand like that was clear. And just on VAR, like if it was we've gone too far now, we can't go back. But if it was just quicker, like takes too long, and yeah, it's the refs. They're just scared to make a decision. Like who would really want to be a referee these yeah. days? But that whole gone too far in the, in the phase of play situation is just BS. Because mm. one, one week they'll go, go three minutes back. The next week it's only 10 seconds. Like, make your mind up. There has to be a limit there. Just go, it's a flat 20 seconds. If VAR flags something in 20 seconds, we'll go to VAR. If they don't, play on. Because, again, it's that ambiguity that he's talking about where it's like, was it handball? Wasn't it handball? We don't know. Too far back. VAR aren't going to check. Why have they not checked? It's, it's all rubbish, isn't it? But, I mean, fair play to Brentford. They got the win, you know. I feel sorry for Forrest. You know, mm. you know, it's a good day when Chris Wood scores. I mean, he's doing well at the moment. You know, <laughs> so talking about shit houses like Neil Mope. Look at Chris Wood; he's having a bit of a resurgence. Big Brexit striker, but not the biggest striker in the game. I want to talk about Tony's return. Full of controversy, right? Given the captain's armband, even though he's actively trying to leave the club. If that was your club, how would you feel about that? I. Yeah, I think it's it's a little bit uncomfortable that he's he's been yeah welcomed back for essentially like breaking like breaking the rules and it's kind of kind of forgotten and 
it's it is just a little bit uncomfortable but he you can't like kind of refuse that he's like unbelievable like I do think he's he's the man for Brentford he'd not played for eight months like he was a little bit rusty but he had serious like involvements in that game like Mm -hmm. pretty good hold up play great passing and the free kick we chatted about moving like the the phone but the execution was brilliant and he lasted like the entire game don't know how he did that most players yeah. would have come off with, with cramp after like 60 or 70 minutes so yeah i think that you know we've seen stuff like this happen before you know look at suarez with the whole every situation slotted mm. straight back in right you beat mm. someone slotted straight back in do you know what i mean like you as a fan base you kind of just forgive it if they're as good as they are and Tony is the guy who puts Brentford on the map, right? And as much as he slags off the club, talks about wanting to leave, he's not left yet. He's still there. He's still scoring goals. Put it to one side. Yeah. Now, when he leaves, that's when you might see the the spite, the hatred, you know, people burning his shirt. That might happen there. But (laughs) until then, you know, he delivered at the end of the day, didn't he? I wonder how much money he put on himself scoring first. I'd love to know that. One million, one million percent. He put at least <laughs> half of his weekly wages on it <laughs> somehow. <laughs> All right. Well, quick word on Forrest as well, right? So they've replaced Steve Cooper, bit of a mm-hmm. Forest legend. Took him back up. They've replaced mm-hmm. him with Nuno, which, to my eyes, is a bit uninspiring. Right? They yeah. look in trouble, and it's lucky that everyone's getting deducted points. It seems this season because they would be right in there otherwise. I think they could go down. You know. I mean, aren't they up for getting deducted points? Oh, yeah, of course they are, aren't they? So, oh, I mean, if, awful. if they get a 10-point deduction, like Everton got, got, see you later, goodbye. Like, it's as simple as that. Nuno isn't an inspired no. signing for them, in all fairness. I think it's a bit of a weird one. Like, he did well at Wolves, but he kind of had the infrastructure there at Wolves already. And then they had that weird Portuguese connection where he stole, like, half the national team. You know, but yeah, it, those dodgy deals with Jorge Mendes, right? Yeah, but <laughs> I think Forest is it's just not a very nice project, is it? They spent a load of money coming up. They can't spend any more money. The team's relying on Chris Wood to do the magic, right? It's, it's only so far that can take you. Yeah, we spoke a lot on their scattergun transfer strategy last year. I mean, it was mind-blowing, wasn't it? Every day they were signing someone new. Yeah. They had like four left backs at one point. I saw, it, was it like twenty eight players they signed in the in the summer transfer window? It was like they were just given a transfer budget on Football Manager, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and then they went and signed Lingard. Mm, I suppose yeah. The counter argument is you've got to gamble, right? Because you don't want yeah. to come up yeah. and then just go straight back down, which is what a lot of teams do. So fair play to them. But with this point deduction, if it happens, and clearly there's a precedent now of it, with it happening to Everton, I don't see them having that kind of siege mentality. I see them down in tools because you can't have a squad spirit when you've got 20 elite players within a year, right? Yeah. In my head, anyway. Yeah, no I, no, I agree. And I think what they've, earlier in the season, they they lost from like winning positions like far too often. Mm-hmm. I think they were like 2-0 up at, like, at Bournemouth at home and then threw that away. And that was just a really bad sign, very, even very early on. Yeah. Fair play. It's been a very controversial weekend, actually, looking at the next fixture we're going into. Sheffield 2, West Ham 2. Dan, you were watching this one live. Give us your rundown. What happened here? Well, conditions made it an interesting uh, interesting watch from like a quality perspective. Uh, the, the passing was like lacking at times, but there were some decent goals and 
just the finale to the game was absolutely nuts. I mean, um, <laughs> talk us through it, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean the the McBurney like penalty. Even it was a penalty. Like I agree. I think goalkeepers are like overwhelmingly like overprotected by like referees. But Ariola did get a full on McBurney elbow to the face for for <laughs> for the foul as well. But like that was a penalty. Fine, McBurney slotted it after like waiting for ages. But it was. 100% the penalty for Bowen down the other end. Mm. Um, defender just wasn't looking at the ball. And then the ref gave a handball against Bowen like instantly. And VAR didn't seem to check it as well, which was just, everyone was bemused. So. I, I don't know. Saying that, I, I don't think McBurney is, I don't think that's a penalty. Like, I'm sorry. The goalkeeper's doing his job. He's come out to claim the ball. He's full on taking an elbow to the head. And he's the one that's, you know, in, in the shit for it. You know, your your guy Emmy Martinez would be in trouble every week if that's a penalty. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, <laughs> we'd have I, to it, we'd have to watch it back. We'd have to watch it back. But I'm pre- I'm pretty sure that uh, there's contact. Like Ariola makes contact on McBurney like first, and then he just gets an elbow to the face. That's undeniable. Yeah, <laughs> I, think I, I guess. I guess the thing is, it's one of those is it a clear and obvious mistake, as they always say, right? And. Mm. I don't know. It's it's hard to tell. Right? You could argue both sides as we we've just done there. For me, never a penalty. But you know, for for, for Sheffield United fans, clear enough his penalty, right? One of those. Yeah, it's always ambiguous, like you say, right? Keeper collides with player. It's kind of like which way do you look at it? You know, because as you say, the keeper's coming for the ball, but then does he does he stop that McBurney from from scoring? But I just I don't think VAR interfere in those situations. It's too subjective. Do you know what I mean? Like it should be black and white decisions, offside. That, basically, that's it. It should it should be offside. What's yeah, the ball over I the line? I think there should that's be a VAR light, right? Just automated, like the World Cup. You know, it was yeah. just automated. And it was like, oh, okay, cool, that's yeah, fine. And what I don't understand: tennis have Hawkeye. Why do we not just have Hawkeye in football? Right? Look, Arsenal complaining about the ball being out of bound. You know, who? I can't remember. There's another game as well. Like Hawkeye would fix that. Like we can eliminate so much pressure on VAR by adding in these things. We've got goal line technology. Why is it only restricted to the goal line? Yeah, exclusively <laughs> to the goal line. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like you can see if a ball is literally half a millimeter over the line, but you can't see if someone's offside or not because you've got to draw these stupid lines. Like, do you know what I mean? So uh, I don't know, but I, I think that this it highlighted the issues with VAR. Very clearly, mm-hmm. it's too subjective a decision. I mean, West Ham, one million percent should have had a penalty. I don't think that's subjective, so I don't really understand it. Why Why do you think that didn't get looked at or given? I think that because they probably thought they cocked up already with the... Um, mm. with, with the trying uh, to even penalty. it out. So try to even it out, yeah. I, I suspect that referees do that. You know, when they give a dodgy a dodgy decision and then for the rest of the game, they're just giving yeah. leeway to the other team. Of course they do. Makes my piss boil. Right. I do, some... want to say, I do want to say one last thing, though. By all means. Michael Edwards is a genius for getting, what, 26, 28 million for Rian Brewster. I think that... <laughs> just wanted to add that in. Champions we... League winner, mate. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, Champions League winner with five... I think it's like five, six minutes worth of game time. You know, but... He's uh, dining on that, isn't he? Dining he's living that. off of it. He's, I don't even think he's... Has he even scored yet for Sheffield? 
Like it's, it's great, isn't it? Twenty six million. The drop off is insane. I think the drop off happened. Do you ever see that video where he was at the barbers and he was flexing his Champions League medal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the end of Rian Brewster for me. Just <laughs> like, who is this guy, mate? He didn't even come on the pitch. Quick word on West Ham. There's some murmurs. I mean, David Moyes always gets a lot of flack. I'm going to look at it objectively and say they are currently sixth on 35 points. Ahead of Man U. But they haven't won in four. Out of the FA Cup. They do play crap football, let's be honest. But they have just signed Calvin Phillips on loan. What do we think? A weird signing for me, actually. I think he's a great player. But Edson Alvarez has been one of their best players. who plays Mm. in the exact same position. Granted, he's got a little, little knock at the moment. Calvin Phillips hasn't really played, bar a couple of games for England this year and a few minutes here in Ever City. I think it's a poor move for Phillips, to be honest. Interesting. If West Ham can unlock, you know, the Phillips of Leeds, then sure, great, great signing. But as a loan deal, I guess they're testing the waters, right? There must be a, a, a sell-on clause or something like that off the back of that deal. But I don't know, it's a bit of a... It's a bit of a nothing signing. I think it's kind of just to try and make the West Ham fans happy. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, in a really turgid transfer window, it's probably one of the most exciting things that's happened so far. Yeah. Um, it was always a weird signing for City as well, right? It screamed of, let's just improve our homegrown quota. Fabian Delph, that type of signing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jack Rodwell. Snake, old oh, snake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never forget Delph. Fabian Never Delph is Delph. one of your best ever players. Delph was Delph was captain and came out the day like the day before he left for City and said like I'm I'm not leaving I'm, I'm oh, yeah. here to Villa. I loved yeah, all the snake memes and then yeah and then just left. Um, so bizarre. Yeah, Phillips. Yeah, was just a he should never have gone to City. Like for whatever reason, it's like it's not worked out. Like I heard Gary Neville say he's just not quick enough. Like to in the in his head to like mm-hmm. to play for City, which is probably fair. But I think with West Ham, I think it's just good for West Ham and, and good for Phillips. I do like that midfield of like Phillips, Will Prowse and Suchek. I didn't realise yeah. Alvarez is like was playing a lot, so for me it works. The linchpin. And actually yeah, give a shout out to James Will Prowse. He's done he's had a good half season so far. Yeah, I said right, That's a that's part one done. We're gonna come back. We're gonna talk about Liverpool. We're gonna talk about Darwin Nunes. We're gonna talk about the <laughs> we'll see we'll see we'll see we'll see you in part two welcome back to from the back seat we're back with part two and we're going straight over to Bournemouth I'll be honest, Ashley, I was really hoping for a nil-nil. It was about nil-nil, what, 60 minutes? I was like, come on, Bournemouth, fucking do it, mate. Fucking do it. <laughs> I'm still bitter about you lot coming to the Emirates and winning. In fact, I'm really angry about that. Let's not talk about that. But let's talk about Liverpool. Liverpool 2.0, to be exact. A new team. Is it a new dawn? And I, I want to go on a little spiel, right? Jurgen Klopp, fairly or unfairly, has been kind of labelled as someone who can't rebuild a team. We think of mm-hmm. Dortmund, right? They had that amazing run, 2012, 2013, Lewa. Then they all got kind of rinsed. It hasn't really happened at Liverpool, but this past summer, he's really had to rebuild it from the midfield especially. So very keen, actually, to get your thoughts on Liverpool. And, you know, what what do you see for them? Because there, there was no real expectancy coming in after a bit of a lackluster season, right? Last Agreed, season. yeah. yeah so like, yeah. how are you feeling? Top of the perch, 21 games in. You could do it, lads. 
Yeah, I think, you know, compared to Arsenal last season, we've got the pedigree still in the team to get it done. How dare you? I also know that City are capable of going on a 16-18 game winning streak. And so we kind of have to match that path for par. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a tough one because, like you said, it's a new team. We haven't slipped up yet. I mean, we dropped points to Luton, which I guess is a slip up, and we got screwed out of uh, our points with Tottenham. But I think that we can do it. We definitely can do it. I think that if you that forward line, you know, you mentioned that at 60 minutes it was it was nil nil. Change up forward line a little bit, and boom, away we go, right? And I think that that's. That's it. Salah's not there. No problem. Best player in the world, Darwin Nunes, steps up. And then you've got... We're going to come on to that. We're gonna and then you've got one. Robbie Fowler 2.0 and Diogo Jota just sitting there. You know, it's it's one of those. But I think the most impressive thing of the rebuild is kind of how Van Dijk and Canate in particular have enabled this midfield just to be relaxed and be able to go. Mm. We're going to do our thing. Because we don't have a dedicated number six other than Endo, who's kind of been bit part, although he was one of our best midfielders sort of before he went to the Asian Cup. So Bosley is kind of, he started off really well, dipped in form. But McAllister, for me, has just been, like, he's just the, the brain on that man. He made Caicedo look like a £115 million pound, uh, midfielder. He's made Enzo Fernandez look like a £105 million pound midfielder. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, and, and it Really, he's the one. He's the one that should have been that, you know, and um, I, I think we can do it. In fact, I know we can do it. The thing it is, just... you've been here before, and that's the yeah. difference between us last season, right? It's just like, we were caught in the headlights, fucking, oh, we're going to win. Didn't win, you right? know, yeah. we, we choked when it mattered, and we know Liverpool can do it. They have the experience, and a lot of that's what have the know-how. So that's what works with them. Five points ahead, admittedly, a game and a half for City. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I, did you expect to be in this position at no. the beginning of the season? No. Okay, I, I, I thought we'd be top four. I didn't think that we'd be leading pack. And I'm going to say we're still unbeaten. But I want a gold trophy at the end of the season. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I, I didn't expect things to click so well. But you said about Klopp not being able to rebuild. Kind of unfair. Like you said, Dortmund, his team got rinsed by the only team that's capable of constantly rebuilding in Germany and Bayern. You know, previous to that, he was at Mainz. They, they've got, a, you know, a budget of £2.50 for the entirety of the club's, you know, existence. So there's not really much you can do there. I think with Liverpool, even when we were going through a transition, you know, we almost won a quadruple. Granted, we didn't. We only won FA Cup and Carabao Cup, but we still won. Last year was a shit year. Fine. But, you know, look how we bounced back. And that's the thing. We've always bounced back. We had a season where we had Nat Phillips and Reese Williams in, in defence. Shit season overall next season managed to bounce back do you know what i mean it's just one of those it's i love Klopp. right i think pound for pound is probably the best manager in the world you give him the resources of the likes of guardiola oh, mate i don't know what would happen Man, you know what i just don't like Jurgen Klopp anymore ever since he got laser eye surgery he's turned into a prick for me i don't like him. i just don't like him it's funny because i feel like him and arteta have got a little bit of beef and i don't understand why because they should be uniting to take down city right but they just fucking hate each other. I guess because Arteta is kind of pep light, right? His allegiances are with City. Yeah, but he's in my head sh- anyway. Yeah, he's pep like, but he's not pep. Do you know what I mean? So shut up, like ply your trade. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Give him time. Give him time. Give him time. Yeah. Right. 
Dan, over to you. Let's have the unbiased opinion. What do you think of Liverpool's title chances? Uh, annoyingly very strong. Yeah. Like, it's like not the answer I was like, looking for, Dan. No, I know, I know. I'd, look, I'm, I'm the kind of the, the Villa fan, so I'm fairly unbiased, I think. But you guys are like very cyclical, cyclical, aren't you, in terms of like when, when you're good and like when you're, when you're bad. But you just look like pretty solid. You're right. Like Canate and like Van Dyke, mm. they are looking very comfortable. Um, and then you just look like you're going to score. And it's just unpredictable, really direct. Like you don't mind like losing the ball. Like if you're like if you're attacking, and yeah, I can just see you just like continuing like to nick like results. I think um, it just depends how you play against like the top like six away from home. I think like that's the that's the challenge. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's it's weird. So we've had quite a lot of injuries this season as well, but we've had players like like Joe Gomez set up, and I think that's what. Like, like step up. Joe Gomez is playing left back, but because he's a centre half by trade, it's kind of like well, we've just got that that sureness in the back. He's getting closer and, to scoring as well. Isn't I'm he? telling I'm, you, I want, I, you can I, see him trying. I want it for him. I'm telling you, he's <laughs> going to score last game of the season to win the league. A forty-yard thunder bastard. It's going to be the only goal of his career. But that's what I'm talking this into existence. It's happening. Joe Gomez scores a goal. I think you should put your money where your mouth is. I think you should just lump on him each week. Oh, I just agree. Joe Gomez any any time. And then yeah. add ten percent every time he doesn't score and see where you end up at the end of the season. <laughs> Joe Gomez, if you're listening <laughs> if you're listening, we're all backing you, mate, to get that first goal in <laughs> Liverpool Red. But Dan, you touched no, on a very it's good not Liverpool point. Red, it's his first ever senior goal. Ever. Ever. He's never scored in his Joe. Career. Come on, mate. Just lump up. Lump up the front. Let's talk about, you touched on a very good point there, Liverpool's directness. And I think that's in no small part to the two scorers on the weekend, right? Diogo Jota, who's quietly and efficiently come back into the team and just picked up where he's left off. And he's always kind of gone under the radar. I'm coming on to Darwin, Ash, don't mind coming on to Darwin. But let's talk about Jota, right? I think he's a very effective player. He's not the prettiest, right? But his kind of close control and his ability to finish, especially in the near post, is unrivaled. And... You know, it's noticeable that the salary absence is kind of a non-issue, right? You know, no one's really noticing that, which is crazy. Because if we weren't without Saka, for example, or one of our top players, it's noticeable, the drop-off. And I think that's where Liverpool, they have the kind of... They have the depth to go for it. And it was a real masterclass in the second half in terms of finishing. It was it was unfortunately a joy to watch, and it really frustrated me. So, especially the assist for himself as well for the for the second. That was highly good. <laughs> Cheeky little step over, right? Yeah, he yeah. has quality. But let's go on to the main event. Darwin Nunes, the big man, the big man. man in the world. The Maverick. There's so many words to describe this man. Where do we stand on Darwin Nunes at this point in his Liverpool career? Ashley, I'm coming to you on this one. Yeah, I mean, you ask any Liverpool fan, every Liverpool fan fuck, it just loves Darwin. But what is it? Because it's not it's, the output. What is it? It's, it's it is the output. maybe. <laughs> he is a good-looking <laughs> man. It is he? the output, you know, in terms of he's constantly just there. He's kind of like Firmino on crack. <laughs> but also has has the ability to be Suarez. Like it's just one of those. You're just kind of sitting there, like one day it's going to click. And for the first time, probably in his entire Liverpool career, those two finishes that he that he had in that in the Bournemouth game were clinical. You know, the Newcastle game that was very very Darwin. It's just, like, full pelt, 
twats it across the goal scores but these were clinical guided into the court and if he can just replicate that then you've got a problem the league's got a problem in his hands but i think that everyone just loves his tenacity and you also don't know if he's just going to two-footed dive at someone at some point yeah it's that, that excitement yeah agreed it's very cantonal like you know that man yeah, just mental yeah he's a bit of a unit in he as well that yeah. goes against him. He's a very physical player. Dan, how do you view Darwin? Because we're going to come on to a very kind of hot topic, especially on this pod. So give me your thoughts. Yeah, I think, um, look, I, I enjoy all of his, like, misses, like his, his kind of open goals and like his <laughs> so blunders. Like, uh, there's, we're, we're always blessed to, like, have a, like, at least one a game. Um, he just he just needs to like not think right like he just didn't have time to like think about those finishes in the game yes um, mm-hmm. at the weekend and that's that just helped him but uh, yeah he's just unpredictable isn't he but I, I think it's one of those uh, last season in particular and, and even elements of this season Liverpool missed the likes of a Thiago who can ping the ball over the top mm. and Nunes can just run onto it and twat it. We don't also play with traditional wingers. We don't have people. I mean, we've got Trent obviously whipping in crosses, but those crosses are coming from deep as opposed to by the corner flag where Darwin can just throw himself at them. But he's always in the right position, even when it's not, you know, it's not it's not going from. And in all fairness, like I think like 70% of the games that we've played this season, keepers had the best game of their life against Darwin Nunes. So uh, he's just, I don't know. I, I, I love him. I think that it will click. You know, but how, however, how long can you say it will click for? Do you know what I mean? It's one Coming of those. Up to 18 months now. Yeah. 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 But, you know, you take him at Arsenal, right? That's one of those ones. Thing is, he's a great option to chuck on because you could get a red card. You could get your two goals. You just don't know. You think about Newcastle away. 10 men down. 10 men down. One man down. 10 men. It's two amazing yeah. goals. So yeah. what? <laughs> Absolute smash and grab, right? Uh, that's what Darwin does. All right. Hot debate time. Jack, if you're listening, it's time. Anyone who listens to this pod knows that Jack has an almost, I want to say unfair, but it's worse than that. He just hates Ollie Watkins. Now, Dan loves Ollie Watkins. So we're here. We're going to throw the debate. Would you take Ollie Watkins? Would you take Darwin Nunes? Villa fan, Liverpool fan, boxing gloves on. I'm going to give you 30 second elevator pitch on why your man is better. And we're going to start with Dan. We're going to start with you. Wow. Just look at stats. Hands down, more goals, more assists Ooh, this season. Man. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I like Watkins it. I like it. Like comfort, comfortably ahead. Um, I think his finishing has just improved, like year on year. This season as well, like he's playing in a team that's got a proper system that Emery's like instilled, and he knows exactly where to be. He doesn't really run the channels anymore. His link-up play is is great, and I. I think he works harder than any striker in the league in terms of like press and like and winning the ball back. So, yeah, wouldn't even consider Nunes over over Watkins. Strong, Ashley. What you got for me? Well, first of all, Watkins is 28 and has only just really come onto the scene. So there's that aspect there. To Darwin being 22. Second to that, Watkins isn't miles ahead. He's only got two goals in the league ahead of him and two assists more than him. And Darwin is the first Premier League player to get 10 goals, 10 assists or competitions, excluding internationals, which, by the way, Ollie Watkins doesn't do. Um, on top of that, I genuinely I genuinely like Ollie Watkins. I think he's a great player. Mm-hmm. But you mentioned it there. He works in a system which is being built for him. 
Darwin Nunes can go into any team in the world, in any division in the world, and shit house and do what he wants. Because that's what he does. He's just chaos. He can just he can make any team instantly more threatening, scary. Doesn't matter if it's Stoke City or if it's Liverpool or if it's Aston Villa or if it's Arsenal. Do you know what I mean? It's one of those, but he's just that guy. And every team would want to have a player like Darwin. Oh, two compelling arguments there. I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel. All right, well, viewers, let us know who you prefer, Ollie Watkins or Darwin Nunes, because I can't And decide. just to say, I, I'm not a hater of Ollie Watkins. My first episode well, you on sound the like pod... One. No, no, my first episode <laughs> on the pod, I mentioned how much I liked Ollie Watkins. So, but I do think that, that you know, Darwin's the guy. He's just better. You both make very good points. And they're almost like opposite players, because I feel like Darwin puts the ones away that he shouldn't score, where Watkins is very reliable in the six-yard yeah. box, isn't he? He will poke Left it home. Foot, he head, will right scuff it home. He'll hammer it home. Yeah. Ollie Watkins is that guy. But Darwin's the type of person to a scorpion flick and score, right? So left foot, right foot means nothing if you can do that. Oh, I'm going to have to come back to it because I can't decide. Fun fact, Ollie Watkins, mother of his child, actually. Uh, I actually went to university with an halls. So Ellie, if you're listening, good catch. Wasn't expecting that from you. Wasn't expecting that from you. <laughs> Big shout out there. Big shout. Ollie, don't be up. Ollie, Ollie, I swear I know. <laughs> All right, sweet. Let's have a quick word on Bournemouth because actually I've been very impressed with Bournemouth. Well, actually, to tell you the truth, I was very unimpressed with Bournemouth and then I was very impressed with Bournemouth and now they seem mm-hmm. to be sliding a little bit back down. I guess the biggest question going into Bournemouth season was, was sacking Gary O'Neill the right decision? Initially, no. And then Iriola's kind of system clearly you know, took effect and they went on that winning run. How do you feel about Bournemouth? I actually hate Bournemouth because of their small stadium, which is like really mean. It's like small man syndrome, I guess, on my oh, part. Oh, you must hate Luton, man. <laughs> oh, don't uh, get me started. I'm glad we've done everybody hate Luton. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think Bournemouth are a good team. I mean, I think, are they third in the form table at the moment? Like, even with the two losses yeah, recently to Arsenal Spurs. So, like, they're a good team, and on their day, they can do it. But it's the elevation piece, right? You know, mm what Villa have done, even to extend what West Ham have done, is they've won the games that they should win and they've won games they shouldn't have won. Whereas Bournemouth can't do that. So Bournemouth may be you know, third in the form table, but they I expect them to beat United, you know, United are a you know relegation level team. But <laughs> it, it, I don't know, it is a weird they are a weird they are a weird team, Bournemouth. I I don't see anyone stand out for them. I don't see They play I, well as a unit, right? They do. They do, yeah. It's kind of like Stoke, right? Stoke never made any sense. They had how many years? Like four or five <laughs> years where they sat around 10th to sort of 13th, you know, and they were just, they played as a team, shithousing everything, right? And I Bournemouth think you're being unfair on Bournemouth. They, they've got so much flair up front, you know, I think. They've got Cliver, they've got like, I think it's like other guy on the left wing, I can't remember his name, nah. but they, uh, they scored like plenty of goals. Solanke was like firing them in, in December. So they're just, yeah, they're just inconsistent. I, I think that that's the thing, right? It shows with teams like Bournemouth, you get a player like Solanke who's consistent in scoring goals. He's second or third in the, the Premier League for goals. You know, I, I never would have thought that seeing him play at Liverpool. He did it in the Championship, kind of did shit when they came back up. God, he played at Liverpool. Yeah, kind of, kind of did it when they're in, uh, you know, kind of flopped when they went back up, and this season, all of a sudden, he's just matured. And I think that Cliver is a, a good player. Is it? Is he Patrick Cliver's son? He is. It's not quite the player that his dad was. Not then. quite Patrick, no. Yeah, no. yeah. But, good um, name though. 
Yeah, it is a great name. Although he should have had a red card this week, to be honest. Um, oh, don't be like that. You won 4 0. It doesn't matter. He should have had a red card. Should have been 10. <laughs> <laughs> and we were singing that Darwin was a shit Andy Carroll. So I will forever hate Bournemouth, right? Because Andy Carroll is a Brilliant very pain, painful point. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Darwin's um, still got time to prove him wrong. Still got but time. I think that sacking Gary O'Neill on the surface, I think we spoke about it at the start of the season. I didn't get it. I think he's done really well. He did really well for them. They kind of didn't give him the chance he deserved. But as you said, you know, managers come in and kind of, to Dan's point, made them into an attractive team to watch. You know, they're playing well, they're, they're winning games, so fair play. Fair enough. And speaking of Gary O'Neill, we go over to our last game on the South Coast. Brighton nil. Wolves nil, boys. I'll be honest. I, I don't have a lot for this one. I really don't. I expected more from from Brighton, and it was it was a turgid game. I mean, I really don't know where to start. To be honest, I mean, let's just look at the overview, right? I think Gary O'Neill's done a solid job at Wolves. He's pretty much where Bournemouth were last season, right? Same mm-hmm. tactics, tried and tested methods up against you know, arguably one of the best football playing sides in the Premier League. It's very mm-hmm. arguable, but they cancel each other out. It was kind of like fire meets water, which is a really shit comparison. But yeah, it just resulted in an awful, awful Monday night football. I mean, does anyone have any takeaways from this? Yeah, I mean, it just shows that Brighton needs someone clinical. I mean, they had, what, 72% possession to, you know, towards 28. I mean, that's ridiculous that you have that. That's like prime Barcelona stats, right? And they just didn't have anyone to score because they're relying mm. on the likes of Welbeck, you know. Um, that guy helps. Yeah, he's a good player, but he's not clinical, right? You stick someone like, I don't know, Jota or Trossard back into that team, right? <laughs> Never. <laughs> and, they're, and they're doing bits. So uh, it's weird. It was just a weird game. Just, what? I think, yeah, you're right. I think with Brighton, they had it with Potter where they just couldn't score. They dominated games and they had that like problem like for, for a long time. Um they they seemed to like solve that a bit last season. Like they were scoring, like but it seemed like other like lots of players were scoring rather than it being like a central, a central striker. Um, yeah, I think there was plenty of opportunity last night. Like it could it could have easily been like a, sc- a scoring draw, and definitely like Wolves were like counter attacking a bit more. But mm-hmm. I think they had more of the game in the second half. Mm-hmm. I've heard as well with Gary O'Neill and probably seen this that he sometimes when he gets his tactics like spot on. He nails it, but when he gets his tactics wrong, they're like horribly wrong. So I think like yeah. you can expect that as like as a Wolves fan. For me as a Villa fan watching this, like just seeing James Milner get like one more game closer to the uh, the all time Premier League record was uh, was very satisfying. What a That's man. True. We should what we should do an man. entire episode on James Milner, to be honest. What a man. I like that. Let's put that in the pipeline. Twenty games away from Gareth Barry's record of six hundred and fifty three Premier League appearances. Mental, isn't it? That is a legend. Mental. Another Villa legend. There we go. Mate, I don't uh, know what you're like cooking up in the Barry. Midlands, right? Yeah. Don't like him. We lost, Ch- we lost Chabby Alonso because of flipping Gareth Barry and Benitez's <laughs> sick sad. obsession with him. And then you fucking Gerard went to see Oh, mate. What a nightmare. Oh, the scars run deep. Do you yeah. think 38-year-old Milner's got 20, 20... Let's say 21 games to break the record. Mate, I think Milner's the type of player he could go on to is like 45. Like do you think genuine... he'll do it till he beats the record? And he'll hold that up and then he'll live. Yeah. yeah. And then I, I also think that he'll go back to Leeds as well. Like, I think it's just 
for him, he's that like he's that type of player. He'll want to end his career on his own terms. He doesn't care if Leeds, he won't care if Leeds are in League One at that point. Do you know what I mean? He'll just finish. He'll do one last season there. So once he gets that record, I think then he'll go take a step down and uh, go from there. But I mean, he could go for years still. Like, he's just got such an engine on him. He hard, he's hardly injured as well. Yeah, like. Thirty eight. He's still. He's still so reliable. And it's funny, isn't it? Because he was such an unfashionable midfielder for so long. And it just seems like in the last three years, he's become really fashionable. So underrated. Underrated. He just used to fit in, like, when he played at City, like, he was fitting in with, like, playing with, like, Silver and just his movement. Yeah, unbelievable. He'll carry on going. Look at, like, when he was doing, like, Liverpool pre-season. He would be, like, winning that, like, like, the the running. It's nuts. He's just built different. Genetics, maybe. Okay, I've got one more question to pose for you. RDZ, no one calls him that. Deserby. There's been rumours that Pep's leaving at the end of the year, and we're going to tie in a bit of Man City, right? Because there's been some developments over the Etihad recently. Um, successor to Pep, what do we think? I think that's a bit of a reach, to be honest. I think you can't. Like, he's he's a good, yeah, he's a great manager, but he's not. Like, he's not Pep, is he? Like. But no one's and, really Pep. Do you know what I mean? No, so who no is one's going to be Pep. But there's plenty of managers out there who've had like proper, proper success, which is what City need. You know, even the likes of the Tush- uh, Thomas Tuchel, right? Like, been there, done it. That's going to be a, a first choice over the likes of Deserby. Okay, but my argument here is Deserby plays very similar football, right? Yeah. So to go from from Pep to Tuchel, I can't see that at City because they're so ingrained in a way of playing. So you need yeah. someone that's kind of similar, not Arteta, obviously. But I see it. I see it. And he's also got that arrogance. I don't know if you have heard it last season, but we, me and Jack, kind of term it as the the turtleneck wankers, you know. And he's one of them breeds, you know. Yeah, he, yeah. he fits the bill. He just needs to shave his hair. I mean, damn, what do you even? He's got swagger. Yeah, I, th- I think he could do it. But like, what? When would that happen? When would Pep leave, leave City? Like, only there's rumours. Get relegated, right? There's rumours yeah, when they get relegated. Yeah. yeah. There's rumours end of the year. The thing with Pep, though, he's, he's just got that tendency to just go, OK, I'm done now. Exactly. And he's, he's done what he said, so he won the Champions League. He'll try and retain it. And if they don't win it, he'll just go. Yeah, Quit well, he can't be there forever. Can but I, I do just think with Deserby, City have to give him time. Are they going to be able to afford to give him time? Because they're not this, you know, they're not a, a historic club like mm. United for example, or Arsenal, where you can kind of have those down days. City start losing, they lose all of their 20,000 fans globally, you know, and they're, they're done for. And I think that that's the problem. So, like, they'll want to make a statement. It will, I don't know, it could be someone, uh, yeah, someone, I don't know, Laurent Blanc. Like, it'll be someone like that, you know, a big name. They'll do shit, but they'll do the same thing that United did when they went and got Mourinho, obviously they, they tried it with Moyes, it failed. City will skip that Moyes step and go straight for a Mourinho type figure, in my opinion. Fair enough. All right, well, I want to stay on the subject because I was going to wrap up with some transfer transfer talk, but actually I can't be bothered because there's nothing that interesting. Trippier's not <laughs> going to go to Bayern. But there is something very interesting and it's City related, right? You guys have probably heard the news. Never heard of him before, but it seems like seismic. Omar Barada, you ever heard of him? Me neither has left the City Football Group, so to give oh, you context... Oh, the C- CEO. The CFO, Chief of CFO, Football yeah. Operations, yeah. has jumped ship to United out of the blue as part of Sir Jim Ratcliffe's kind of takeover, you know. Firstly, wow, why did Man United ever do something like this before if it was that easy? But my second question 
is this a slight admittance that the 115 charges against City hold some weight? Because up until now, it's just kind of the assumption that it's going to go under the rug, right? 100% he was the whistleblower. He was the one, <laughs> he was the one that leaked all of the information. Um, no, Lifelong United fan. It's a weird one, isn't it? Like, it's just odd. Yeah. Like, with all these allegations going on and, and the shit show that United is, like, it, it just it stinks of he, he's got a feeling that being a City That's for any longer... That's how I feel. Jumping yeah. ship, right? Before it can yeah. be put back to him. Yeah. He wants, I think he wants to have like CEO at Manchester United on his CV as well. I think it reads well. Yeah. And it is, it, is a, it is a step up. You know, at the end of the day, City are a big club. They're not United. Doesn't matter it's how true. shit United are. United come calling. Unless you're a Liverpool fan, you don't go, right? It's true. And I think if you can turn. United from what they are currently and turn them into just even 20% of what the City football groups become, you can call that a bloody success, right? Mm-hmm. And they, they have won't. the commercial output. They can compete. They just they just do it really badly, they in won't. my opinion. You don't they think won't. they will? No. I'll be honest. I hate the idea of a, a strong man United again. I yeah, I'm happy this. with where they are. Yeah. I, I was tormented for far too long to ever want to see United get to any form of past glory again. I want them to just go into obscurity for at least 80 years. Do you know what I mean? And but would you want... Okay, so let's say let's say United stays shit and City continue monopolising. What's the lesser of two evils there? Do you still want United to be shit? Uh, good question. And no, I'd rather United be United than City. I just think it's, it's just disgusting the way that City have been able to do what they've been able to do. Like, we know that they were guilty... UEFA found them guilty. It's just because the way that they acquired the evidence meant that they couldn't press charges. A technicality, right? Do you know what I mean? Like, we know that they've been cheating. So, I mean, it is what it is. I, I'm not turning around saying, give us, give you, give Man United the trophies that we deserve because they were cheating. Fine, they can have that. It's just a tainted history and then just fucking obliterate the club. They always talk about how they had 30,000 fans in League One at Main Road. Fucking go back, Ben. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> they might do. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it, from that perspective, I would rather see United back to not former glory, but being being more United-like. But yeah, yeah I, just, I agree. I just don't like City. I, I, think, I think they're anti-football, right? It's a hard question, isn't it? It's like asking, which lad would you like to shag your wife? It's like, mm, I don't really know. I don't know which one I prefer. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, I think it's time to wrap it, lads. I don't think, is there any other business you want to cover? Anything interesting? It's been quite an uneventful week, really, isn't it? I'm going to put a bet on with Dan. Okay. That Dar- that Darwin, I'll bet you 20 quid that Darwin Nunes will end with more goals than Ollie Watkins this season. Okay. What about goals and assists? In the league. All right, we'll keep it simple. Right, I'll, I'll shake on that. Ooh, the goal has been thrown down. Let's see how this plays out. I want no part in this one. I want no part. It's going to be tight, man. It's going to be it, tight. It is, but it's going to happen. Well, boys, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a good one. We will be back next week. Don't ask me what the lineup is. You're just going to have to find out because I haven't actually looked at the rotation. So it could be any one of us or it could be none of us. We just don't know. But yeah, thank you so much for listening. Follow all of our stuff on YouTube and Instagram and spot Jack's better at this than me. Um, but yeah, thanks again for listening, guys. Adios, people. Cheers. Bye-bye.